0: Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Shukr alayhi. Min al-Shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. Al-Hamdulillahi Rabbil-Alamin. Wala'udhwan illa 'alal-Dhalmiin. Wala'aaqibatu lil-Muttaqeen. Allahumma Salli wa Sallama Barakkaalayyabdika wa Rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa alaihi wasallam Tasiman kathira. Twenty-four hours ago, I was talking to a mother, and I apologize in advance because this is going to start a little dark but inshallah ta'ala we'll get to the light 24 hours ago I was talking to a Palestinian mother who lost her child in front of her and I was expecting to hear the devastation in her voice instead she said to me Shaykh Wallahi when my son was killed I was about to scream and I heard something inside of me say, Say to Allah we belong and to Allah we return. And she said, I don't know what it was that was saying that inside of me or what I was hearing, but I said, Inna lillahi wa inna raji'un. And she said, As for my son Alhamdulillah. He didn't feel the pain at the time of his death because he died immediately at the first strike. And she said Allahu Latifun bi ibadihi. Those words came from her. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is truly subtle with his slaves. How subtle is Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala with his righteous slaves? Allahu Latif He's always there, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the more piety you have, the more you can perceive His power and His presence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The less that that piety is there, the more the fog accumulates on the heart, the less you're able to perceive Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to start tonight on the basis of a question that I've heard a few times over the last few months not from the people of Gaza themselves, not from the people of Palestine themselves, but from the people who are watching the people of Gaza and from the people who are watching the people of Palestine. There are a few people that have asked the question where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where is God in all of this? and they meet it in a very specific way It's one thing to read about the stories of the past. It's another thing to witness the atrocities of the present. And to wonder, where is God? That's the question that they ask, right? Where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of this? And I'm going to actually start from the very end of this world where the layers of this world have been peeled the most. The ilama say that of the powerful... Reflections on the verse Maliki Yawmuddin, master of the day of judgment. Is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Malikuddin with dunya? Allah is the master of the day of judgment and He's the master of this dunya as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the king of all kings, the master of all realms. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say Maliki Yawmuddin? Some of the ulama said that that is because on that day, on the day of judgment, the Mulk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is apparent to everyone and no one will deny it. Because everything has been peeled back. The oppressor and the oppressed, the Muslim and the non-Muslim, the believer, the disbeliever, the righteous and the wicked, all of them will acknowledge the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. And so it will be so apparent and that's one of the blessings, one of the reflections of Maliki Yawm Master of the Day of Judgment the closer that you get to the Day of Judgment the more immediate that connection becomes. I'm not gonna to start tonight with what we're seeing now. I'm gonna start with what the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned of the coming out of al-Ya'juj wal-Ma'juj. This corrupt group of people that overtake the earth in its last days and as they come out and they wreak havoc on every single part of the earth except where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shielded Isa alayhi salam and his righteous followers. If we are alive at that time, may Allah make us amongst them. Allahumma amin, Where Isa alayhi salam and the believing servants are away and Ya'juj and Ma'juj have come to this earth and they are let out and they kill everything that is in sight with absolutely no mercy. And in the intoxication of their arrogance, I want you to think about how we as Muslims think about the where is God question, where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In their intoxication with their arrogance and their oppression, when they come out to the earth and you can imagine the sight of them ripping flesh, tearing everything apart, beating their chests with power. They say to each other, Katalna fil Ard, We've already killed everyone on the earth. السَّمَاءِ Let's kill everyone in the heavens too. See how intoxicated they become with their arrogance? And the Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith of Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, which is authentic, that they would throw their arrows. Imagine the sight of the millions and millions and millions of them all throwing their arrows to the sky at the same time. Because that's how arrogant and how powerful they think they have become. They throw their arrows to the sky. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have simply turned the arrows on them and let the arrows hit them back. Allah Azza wa increases them in their arrogance for a few moments. What did the Prophet like Sam say Allah Azza wa does? Allah causes the arrows to return to them with blood. So that for a moment they can think, we succeeded, we've killed everyone on earth, and now we killed everyone in the heavens too. Whatever is up there, we killed him or we killed them too. They're all gone. But look at the immediacy of how this interaction with the heavens is happening in those days. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah will then send a parasite, which is a particular parasite that would be in the noses of sheep, and that would kill them. Allah would send that upon them, and it would kill all of them at one time. little tiny worm that could kill the weakest of animals, would kill supposedly the strongest human beings all at one time. They would all be wiped out by it. And Isa alayhi salam and the believers would send someone out who fears no one but Allah, To see what has happened, and he would find that all of them have died at one time. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at the immediacy with the heavens. The Prophet said, Allah would send birds with necks like the neck of camels that would pick them up because their rotting corpses would stink the earth, would pick them up and throw them all into a pit. And Isa Alayhi salam would make dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Look at the interaction. So the little worm killed them. The big birds with camel necks picked them up and threw them away. And then Isa Alayhi salam, Jesus peace be upon him, would look to the skies and he would ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to send down rain to clean the earth from what is left over of them, from the stench, from the dirt of them. And Allah would send a rain The immediacy between the dua of Isa to the heavens, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the heavens, the response coming from the heavens to the earth. The rain comes down by Allah's permission and it cleans the earth, and it would be said to the earth, akhriji thamaratiki, ruddi barakatik. Let your fruits come out and let the barakah, let the blessing. Of the earth be restored. And when that happens, the earth is wiped clean and the earth produces, by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, blessing like we have never seen before, fruits that we have never seen before. The immediacy in those last days is so felt and perceived, both with the oppressor as well as the righteous. They call, Allah responds right away. And then the day of judgment comes. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, I want you to think about this moment. A day when all of the oppressors and their mouthpieces are silenced. A day when every single one of the creation of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is unable to speak. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the only one who speaks and says, Anal Malik. al Malik. Ain al-Ard." You asked, where is Allah? You asked, where is the protector of you believers? You asked, where is the aid of you oppressed ones? You asked, where is God? al Malik. al Malik, al-Muluk al-Ard. I am the king, I am the king. Where are the so called kings of the world? Where are the Jabbarun and the Mutakabbirun? Where are those arrogant people that used to beat their chests and used to boast and walk the earth proudly? Where are they now? And they are nowhere to be found. Silenced. I'm going to bring you back to that moment, inshaAllah ta'ala, in a few minutes. When only Allah Azza wa speaks and says, I am the king, where are the supposed kings? And let's go back to the year that the Prophet sallallahu was born. That year, Abraha in Yemen wanted to turn the attention of the world to a home that he had built for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he enters upon Mecca with the intention to destroy the Kaaba. We all know the story. And as he enters upon Mecca with the intention to destroy the Kaaba with his army of elephants and with all the power and structures in the world, all the strategies in the world that he could have to destroy the Kaaba and turn the attention of the world to his supposed house, as he is on his way, in the words of Abdul Muttalib, that this home has a Lord that will protect it. Allah subhanahu wa taala sends down the the birds and the stones that pelt these people. Allah subhanahu wa taala sends upon them an army from the heavens, and Allah protects His house. Fast forward a few years later. Abdullah ibn Zubayr ta'ala anhu is praying in front of the Kaaba and before he prays in front of the Kaaba he has one of the most powerful conversations that a person could have with his mother Asmat bint Abi Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anha wa an abiha and it's a conversation that's full of faith Absolutely no questioning of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a tyrant is to attack him while he's praying in front of the Kaaba. At no point in the conversation between Abdullah ibn Zubayr and his mother Asma radiallahu anha, do you have any type of doubt in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or is Allah going to step in and protect us in this moment when we're about to be killed in front of the Kaaba? At no point do you have any doubt, at no point are they asking the question, where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Instead, the conversation is about how to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the most pleasing of ways. Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhumah goes into salah in front of the Kaaba less than a hundred years after that incident. Where there wasn't a Muslim in front of the Kaaba at the moment that Allah protected it from Abraha. Abdullah ibn Zubair anhumah is praying in front of the Kaaba, and he is firebombed. The Kaaba is hit and Abdullah ibn Zubair ta'ala anhumah is crucified in front of the Kaaba. Ibn Zubair and his mother did not have any doubt in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't ask the question, where was Allah or why isn't Allah protecting us? He had prepared himself for the moment of martyrdom, his mother had prepared him for that moment, and even afterwards when she had to come and see his body, at no point was she asking, why O Allah? At no point was she asking, where was Allah? But of the earliest deviances, if not the earliest deviation in this ummah, a group called Al-Qadariyyah, those who denied the divine decree of Allah they started to cast doubt in some of the onlookers, not the ones that were directly affected. Some of those that were looking in, but not in. And said, don't you think that if Allah knew this was going to happen, He would have stopped it? Don't you think that a God who decrees in advance would have decreed otherwise? So clearly... The belief in Qadr is not true. The belief in the divine decree is not true. They manipulated the emotions not of the people directly affected but the people that were directly witnessing to say, see, Allah was not there to protect the Kaaba that day. Or protect Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhuma that day. And unfortunately, the fitna worked on some of the onlookers. Fast forward to probably what is one of the darkest days of history in this ummah the year 930 a man by the name of Abu Tahir al-Jannabi who was the, from the Qaramita, the group known as the Qaramita, an extreme deviant group that turned on the ummah and tried to destroy everything of Islam supposedly from within put yourself in the position of a Hajji that year, 9.30 there were 20,000 Hajjaj making Tawaf around the Kaaba and imagine a 24-year-old kid standing in front of the Kaaba and yelling I want you to put yourself in Tawaf and you see a 24-year-old kid yelling arrogantly in front of the Kaaba أَيْنَ الْطَيْرُ الْأَبَابِيلِ أَيْنَ الْحِجَارَةُ مِنْ Where are those so-called birds? Where are these so-called stones that are supposed to rain down upon me from the heavens? I am Allah is in me and I am in Allah. We are both one and the same. He creates the creation and I end them. I kill them. And a 24-year-old kid massacres all of the Hujjaj that year. 20,000 martyrs in Hajj. If you were there and you're witnessing this, you're looking for the lightning to strike him, right? Because that's what's supposed to happen. Where's the lightning strike? Where's the bolt that's supposed to knock this arrogant kid down at this moment? Instead, he massacred 20,000 Hujjaj, piled up their bodies in Zamzam, There was no hajj for about two decades. He stole the black stone, thought that he had it all, went and built a little tiny uh, structure that none of you have even heard about hopefully, right, and if you did it's not even important, where he wanted to direct people away from hajj, direct people away from the Kaaba, introduced all sorts of heresies to this ummah, and arrogantly pounded his chest, if you were living in that time where there was no hajj, would you see that there is any hope for this ummah to be restored? Would you believe that where the black stone has been taken away and the Kaaba itself has been attacked and all of the people have been killed? Do you believe there is a chance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will restore this ummah back to its glory? What's gonna happen now? And of the wisdoms that the ulama mentioned, subhanAllah. That Allah protected the Kaaba the first time, and in this situation he let the man boast. Is that the fitna comes to the believers who already know and have clarity, therefore they should know better that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is present and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will exact His plan but on His timeline, and that is part of the fitna. Whereas before the Prophet begins the mission of Islam, Allah had decreed that Mecca would be the focal point; that there was no clarity at that time, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had set the stage for the mission of our beloved Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But if you were living in 935, 940, there are people that died sometime in that 20 years, and we're looking and saying. Ya Allah, next year? Ya Allah, next year? Imagine if you were 60 years old and you were going to do hajj in the year 931 and every year it's still not there. What's happening here? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a nasty parasite and disease to that 38-year-old, Abu Tahir, ironically his name, the father of purity, and killed him. And Allah restored this ummah. And when you go to hajj now, you don't feel the effect of 9:30. But if you were a Shaheed that day in 9:30, 20,000 people and we don't know the name of a single one of them if you were a martyr that day, immediately when you were killed, you knew that the promise of Allah was true. The problem was not with those who were killed that immediately transitioned to their place. And that became souls and the bodies of green birds hanging from the chandeliers of the throne of the Most Merciful, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirms His promise to. They know, they're already there. The problem is those who are seeing the piles of dead bodies of Hujjaj and Zamzam and the leftovers of the remains of the Kaaba. What happened? Where was it? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carried out His plan. Dear brothers and sisters, I bring it to Gaza and I bring it to Palestine right now. And I want to be very clear and very explicit. Two things. When you see Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israelis, the the, the Israeli occupation forces, and their defense ministers speak with such pride, speak with such confidence and arrogance think that they can exact all sorts of punishment on the believers with no consequences, using the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to try to mock the people of Gaza and mock the rest of us by extension, know that their end is near. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us a sign that this is the beginning of the end for them. That when you reach that point where you start to think that you've become immune, and that you can mock the believers with their scripture, and that you can quote your own twisted scriptures, and turn the believers into less than animals, and think that you can descend your pamphlets of ayat of Quran, and mock the believers, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing you to your breaking point. This is a bushra for us. This is a glad tidings for us. I know it hurts us when we see that. It hurts us when we see them mocking with the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thinking they've got there. But if you read history, we've seen this episode before. We've seen these arrogant tyrants before. They never remain on their pulpit. They never remain in their place. Not only is this genocide not going to continue ta'ala and end up with a whole bunch of people in Jannah a whole bunch of people from Gaza in Jannah. Can you imagine the size of Qita'i Gaza in Jannah? Not only is it going to end up with a whole bunch of shuhada in Jannah, and a whole bunch of renewed people, renewed Muslims, and people whose eyes are opening up to Islam. But it will end up with the humiliation of those who seek to humiliate. And when you start to ask, where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of this? The very first time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions as sabirin the patient, in the Qur'an, when you're reading in Surah Al-Baqarah, inna allaha as-sabirin," Allah is with the patients. wa bashir as sabirin is the next time that you come across the verse about as sabirin the patient. wa bashir as sabirin Give glad tidings to the patience. Before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ala inna nasr allahi that the victory of Allah is close, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When my servant asks you, O oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, concerning me, I am close. Before we get to the specifics of the ending of the episodes, we get to the specifics of what moves the characters, what moves the people themselves. Because what is in the people of Gaza is nothing short of majestic and I want to be extremely clear here. You've seen the videos of the people of Gaza. How many times are they asking where is Allah? How many times are they questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's one of the least places that you will see, a that you'll see apostasy. One of the least places that you'll see people questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His wisdom. Despite being subjected to the worst of cruelty, you have more people living in the comfort of their homes in some of the most developed cities in Europe that are questioning God's existence and questioning God's wisdom than people who are being subjected to the worst of human cruelty. Why do you think that is? Do you think they're deluded or do you think they have something that if you don't have it, you don't understand it? Because if the, if, the muluk, if the kings of the world knew what we have in our chests of happiness, they would fight us with swords to try to get it out of us. If they could get that ingredient and put it inside of them, they would. And that's why, dear brothers and sisters, you put the child with a stone whose slippers are torn up and falling apart and who barely has any food in his stomach. You put that child with a stone standing in front of an Israeli soldier with the most sophisticated military artillery in the world, with the biggest tank in the world. I'm putting it on the kid every single time. I believe in that child because that child has an ingredient that that soldier doesn't even know exists. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them something. Now here's the other side of that. The people of Gaza are not asking where is Allah, but they are asking where are you? They are asking where are the rulers of the Muslims? They are asking where is this so-called ummah of two billion people? They are asking where is this political and military and economic strength that you supposedly have? They are asking where are these people that supposedly love Masjid Al-Aqsa and that follow a Prophet wasallam whose first Qibla was Masjid Al-Aqsa, and who was taken from Mecca to Al-Aqsa to lead the prophets in prayers, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sanctified that place. They're asking where you are, they're not asking where Allah is. They're asking where the leaders are, they're not asking where the Creator is. They understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested them in a mighty moment. And they have a direct connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They perceive Allah under the airstrikes. They perceive Allah through the hunger. They perceive Allah through the tears as they bury their loved ones. They perceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even as they see the most beloved of people to them torn up into different limbs. They perceive the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they feel the absence of the ummah. Allah Azza wa Jal will gather us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Where were you? Where were you? And it's something that should move all of our hearts right now to ask ourselves, are we doing the best that we can? Fear Allah as much as you can. Are we doing the best that we can, but they're not asking where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want to know where the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is? Look at the same people about whom you're feeling that pain and you're asking these questions if you are about what's happening. The people of the world see the secret of the people of Gaza and wonder what is it about them? that inspires them young and old all of these different people to have such a deep connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I bring it back to our situation and I told you we'll go back to the end you see the proud tyrants speaking without fear of reprisal in this life you see the arrogant oppressors, whether it's in Israel or in the United States of America or wherever it may be, speaking with such immunity, with such little fear in this life, go back to a time when they will not even be able to speak. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out, says, "Ana al-Malik, Ana al-Malik, ayna muluk al-Art. I am the king, I am the king, where are the so-called kings of the world? And the Prophet ﷺ said that the tyrants on the Day of Judgment would be like ants. You know, some of those people that you see making TikTok videos, dedicating the ruins of the homes of our families to their children, fantasizing about the homes that they will build in the place of our homes, some of them on the Day of Judgment. But may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us of the ants. Allahumma amin. May Allah not make us little oppressors and tyrants ourselves. Some of them on the Day of Judgment will be like little ants. These people that feel such strength and such power. Now dear brothers and sisters, I bring it back to you and I. I don't want you to leave this talk just feeling guilt. Feeling like, am I doing enough? And I don't feel like I'm doing enough and I feel like all of the efforts that we're putting forth is in vain. I don't want that to be the case. I want you to refocus on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a unique position to do. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in a position to do. You are sitting in a place now surrounded by people who can openly chant Free Palestine. You are in a situation where you can openly make dua, where you can challenge the belly of the beast from within while you see our brothers and sisters in its fangs. You are in a position where you can keep this going as long as you want to. Because you know what? If all of us insist on seeing this thing to its end, they cannot silence us all." A lot of times we talk about the weakness of our numbers and the Prophet ﷺ describing the ummah in its weakness, in its numbers, when it becomes like foam or when it becomes like a meal that the nations feast upon. Because of something in their hearts of al-wahn, because of a lack of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a love for this world, a fear of death, a hatred for the hereafter—these these things that shackle us from within—but it's also of our greatest strengths that we have this many people around the world that are saying "Free Palestine," but also saying "La ilaha illallah," and also saying "Hasbunallah wa n'Imal Wakil," and also saying "La Hawla wala qouwta illa billah." You have to ask yourself, do you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do you believe in what you are seeing as a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his presence rather than his absence, which is what everybody else is trying to tell us. Are you seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala present in the strength of the people of Gaza or are you seeing absence in the supposed strength of the oppressor? That's a you issue to sort of refocus your Iman and go back to your heart. And I'm reminded of Nur ad Zangi, rahimahullah, the predecessor of Salah ad-Din, rahimahullah, who already built the minbar, who built the pulpit for Jerusalem before it would even come back to the hands of the Muslims. Can you imagine that in Syria? He had the minbar built. This will go. And it will be in Masjid al-Aqsa. A place where khutbah was not being given, salah was not happening, adhan was not being called for decades. This is the minbar that will be placed in that masjid. Have you picked out your Aqsa thobia? Have you put yourself already in that situation? Where I will not be deceived by the destruction in front of me instead i will be inspired by the faith and the resilience in front of me i refuse to see broken buildings instead i see unbreakable people that know where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that aren't questioning allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if you could be in that type of environment and not question allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who am I to come back and question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If you can say billah and hasbunallahu in that setting, who am I to not be able to bring myself to say it in my setting? Alhamdulillah. Allah's victory is close bidnillahi ta'ala. And more importantly, wa eita sa'a I want you to take a minute by yourself, one minute, to make dua for the people of Gaza. Take a minute. Allahumma Ameen. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عَنِّي قَرِيبٌ Where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? All of you just spoke to Him. And He's close. Allah Azza wa jal hears the dua of every single person. The best thing that we could have done for the people of Gaza, we just did it right now. Dear brothers and sisters, draw from the strength that you are seeing in them. And I leave you with one last story from the awliya that we are seeing there. The righteous ones that we are seeing there. I met a doctor yesterday who's lost 72 members of his family. 72 members of his family. And he grew up in Gaza and subhanAllah, he made a distinction. He said, we are not hopeless even when we feel helpless. There's a big difference between people who are hopeless and people who feel helpless. The believer is able to combine these two states of feeling brokenness in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-inkisar <inaudible> bayna While having full belief and conviction. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his power, his strength, to put it all back together. The believer is in full embrace of these two supposed conflicting conditions. And you know what it reminded me of? If you walked behind the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam, before the Battle of Badr started. Rasulullah sallallahu sallam was in his arish in the tent. And he made dua the entire night to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His hands went up all the way, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the point that his cloak fell off of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, Oh Allah, if this group of people are killed and tuhlik hadi al then tu'abala fil ard, you will not be worshipped on this earth. Oh Allah, give me what you promised me. To the naked eye, if you saw the Prophet in those moments, you might wrongly think maybe there is a faith crisis. That desperation sounds like it's gone to another level. That helplessness. Is he questioning? What's happening here? To the misguided eye, you might see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi in that brokenness and desperation, his hands going all the way up to the sky and say, oh no, even the Prophet And Abu Bakr al siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu picks up his garment from behind him and puts it back on him. He said, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will fulfill his promise to you. No one knew that Allah would fulfill his promise to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi better than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi not even Abu Bakr al siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Remember when they were in the cave together just the year before that? And the Prophet some said to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq anhu, "La inna Don't grieve. Allah is. Where? Allah is with us. He sees us. He hears us. He's protecting us. Allah is with us. If you were witnessing that scene live between the Prophet and Abu Bakr anhu, the misguided eye might think maybe... Maybe there is a turn here that's happened. But the Prophet had more yaqeen in that moment, more certainty in that moment that Allah Azza would answer him than every other moment and any other moment in his life. The Prophet always had certainty in Allah's promise, whether it was a large army in front of him or a small one, whether the obstacle was small or large, whatever it was, Rasulullah was able to combine the feeling of helplessness and brokenness before Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala with complete certainty and trust in the power of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to not despair but to make dua while he was desperate that is the situation That is the state of the believer. He calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She calls upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like a broken person who doesn't know what to do, but at no point questions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only knows what He is doing, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do with the believers what is pleasing to them and more. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give victory to the oppressed. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show us His promise. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who told us through the Prophet, that of the signs of the Day of Judgment is Umrani Bayt al-Maqdis that the, day, that the area of Beit al-Maqdis will be established we believe that as much as we believe that a house is being built when we see the bricks already being put together because we trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna Allah ma'al mu'mineen inna Allah ma'al sabirin inna allaha ma'al Muttaqeen. In May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of all of those categories. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never allow us to despair or question where He is, but instead constantly be in a state of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking ourselves where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be. Allahumma ameen. Jazakum Allah wa khayra. as Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.